Hello, guys. Welcome inside Take to Take here. Patrick Talent, as always, joined alongside Luke Burroughs, Nick Robinson. Tons of stuff to get into today. Uh, action-packed week. A lot of drama this week, more so than usual, and I can't wait to get into it. But before we do, uh, Luke, Nick, how are we doing on this Thursday afternoon? Very good, Pat. It's almost Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's almost Valentine's Day. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing good, Pat. How are you doing? Uh, fantastic. Happy to be recording. And if there's a time to record, it's right now because this week... A lot of news happened, and I think it was Tuesday when all the news kind of broke at once um, with Columbus, all the chaos happening, the stuff happening in Pittsburgh, uh, a lot of COVID stuff. We're going to get all into that, but let's start with some some drama. Let's start, talk about the chaos that's happening in uh, Columbus. So that was Line's what, second? It was Patrick Line's second or third game, and he apparently disrespected an assistant coach, and then he was benched for the final 25 minutes of the game. And... We saw the screenshots on Twitter of Patrick Laine just sitting there with his ice time and everyone's thinking, great, this is just Pierre-Luc Dubois all over again. What's going on? So apparently he disrespected a coach. They had a talk about it the next day. Tortorella said, hey, I think you guys read way too much into this. You're making it a bigger deal than it needs to be. They spoke at the next practice and everything seems to be fine. They're putting it behind them. But if you're if you're a newly acquired player, you're on your set. I think it was his second game second or third, whatever. If you're playing that soon and something like that already happens, you're disrespecting a coach, you're being benched for 25 minutes, that's not a good look. Nick, what do you think of this entire situation? Yeah, well, Patrick Line is a bit of a brash character, and we always knew that. I always like to think back towards when he pretty much roasted the entire um, Vancouver Canucks team, I think it was. It was either them or the Oilers about playing Fortnite a couple years ago. It was Vancouver, ago. yeah. Yeah, it was Vancouver, and uh, – then he had a really off year after that, but he is, he is a pretty brash character, obviously not afraid to say anything to the media. So I'm sure he's not afraid to say anything to somebody like his coaches, even if he is a newly acquired player. Um, maybe Tortorella is right in some respect. Maybe we are reading into it too much just because it's a simple disciplinary thing, but obviously given the history, the really recent history of what's happened with Tortorella, what's happened with Lion A in Winnipeg, you know, people are going to read a lot into this because it's not a good sign just a couple of games in that he's already being sat for half of a game. Well, I, yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of the drama from this um, situation is coming from the fact that, that all, all the uh, fans saw was line has been benched what's going on. And then it just gets totally blown out of proportion. I think, um, and I, and I wouldn't expect, uh, Tortorella to come out and explain exactly why he was benched, but it eventually did get out. And to me, that kind of made a lot more sense that, okay, it's not just something up with his play or Tortorella isn't liking something he's doing. Um, but uh, yeah, disrespecting one of your coaches is a very valid reason to be benched. So it, it, it kind of makes more sense there. And I, but I, I, I understand where all the drama came from because everyone was almost expecting it um, after seeing a character like line a, get traded to a coach uh, like Tortorella. Yeah, you could probably see it coming, but um, I think it's it's a good thing that it wasn't uh, immediately because of his play. Um, I mean, obviously it's an unfortunate situation to disrespect your coach, but it's uh, it kind of makes more sense in that way. It's it's weird to, <clears throat> to think that it's, because I agree with what you said, Luke, how it's almost good that it's not because of his play, but at the same time, this quickly, you're disrespecting your coach. I don't know what he said. We don't know what he said. Maybe it was just a gesture. Maybe it was something completely out of the ordinary. But that's game two. And this is a really weird situation because we saw 
Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is probably a better all-around player than Patrick Laine, but still struggled defensively, uh, struggled a lot under John Torella. Then you have someone who is basically epitomized as a one-dimensional player in Laine, and he's already getting benched. I think this is going to be very tough for these two. We already saw Domi was moved to the third line left wing rather quickly. He's been benched a couple of times. Uh, I'm curious to see at a certain point if Columbus just kind of stops playing for him. That happens a lot. It happened with Montreal when they fired Michel Terrier. Happened with the Leafs when when Babcock was when he was there last year. A lot of a lot of unfortunate stuff happened. So I'm just curious to see is Nashville going to implode soon? How much is it on Tortorella? How much is it on the players? You also have to look at Yarmo Kekalainen. Obviously, he made some questionable drafting decisions. Uh, this it, I don't remember who it was that tweeted it, but said that every single year there's a team with a lot of drama, and this year it's it's the Columbus Blue Jackets. Do you guys think that at any point Torello could get fired? People are talking about maybe even Liney doesn't finish out his contract in uh, in Columbus because he has one. I think he's one more year before being an RFA. Like it's a really interesting scenario, and I'm just curious if you guys think at a certain point will will players have enough of John Tortorella? And do you guys think it's more on Tortorella or it's more on the players? I'll, I'll, well, I, I think Tortorella is going to be the person that's eventually out at some point. It just seems like it's headed that way. And I also saw a tweet that really, you know, made sense of the whole Columbus situation for me. Cause you got to look at it. Yarmo Krekalainen's brought in Max Domi and Patrick Lyonet this summer in hopes of boosting his offense. Obviously those are two good moves if you want to do that, because these are, you know, very efficient offensive players, but John Tortorella, clearly what we saw last year was able to turn the Columbus blue jackets into a defensive powerhouse. And they played some of the best shutdown hockey in the entire NHL last year. So there's almost maybe some sort of a difference in philosophy between Kekalainen and, and Tortorella, whereas Kekalainen wants them to score more. Tortorella is happy to have these offensive players, but he wants them to play defense too, which is really something that we all know that Max Domi and Patrick Laine really don't do a heck of a lot of. So I, on that basis, just where it looks like Kekalainen wants to take this team, I wouldn't be surprised if, whether it be this season or after the season, if Tortorella is eventually moved out in favor of somebody who's more aligned with Kekalainen's plan. And I, I think, like, Tortorella is a really, wherever he goes, it kind of brings up an interesting uh, situation. I think everyone's kind of seen that. Um but I think he's kind of established himself. No, he has, he's definitely established himself as a good coach, one of the best in the league at times. So I think the question is more, um, he maybe, the question isn't, is he a good coach? Is, is he the right coach for uh, Columbus? And it's, it's, you've seen, like, we've seen a lot of ups and downs in Columbus. Um, but then you see him in Vancouver, definitely not the right coach there. That just didn't go well, but I, I, yeah, I agree with Nick. I think um, at some point uh, it's, you know, instead of kind of driving, I don't, I don't want to say Dubois was driven out of town, but he like, it sort it of was, was. kind of, yeah. Um, kinda. Whether it was his own doing or not. Um, but yeah, at some point you kind of have to discuss is, uh, is Tortorella maybe not the right fit here. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know when that would happen, but um, I just think, I think it, there needs to be emphasis on on the fit not necessarily is he a, a good or bad coach because he definitely is a good coach that's what i was gonna ask you guys and I, I know luke now thinks he's a good coach nick are you are you big on john tortorella this seems to be a thing look i don't really remember 
I remember just the funny interviews when he was in New York. I briefly remember him in uh, Vancouver. He he's a guy that everyone says like he you know what you he expects the best out of his players and he he demands the best and he doesn't pick favorites. If you're playing poorly, you're benched. He'll call you on your he'll call you on your shit. Like that's just how it is. Do you guys and well we got loose, but Nick, do you think he's a good coach? Do you think he's the right coach? Because I think it's both. I think being the right being a good coach is also being the right coach, right? Right. Is it not? Are those not? I, I sort of I sort of lumped Tortorella in with some of the other coaches that were really successful right. in the two thousands and just haven't had that much success since. I think of Tortorella in the same way that I do somebody like Paul Maurice or Peter Laviolette. These are guys that had success of varying degrees in the two thousands, but really haven't won anything notable since that although they've come close at times, it's just, I don't know, like Tortorella adapted last year. And for the first time last year, I think I really noticed how good of a coach Tortorella was because he was able to turn Columbus into a, such a hardworking defensive team to the point where they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in the play-in qualification and then pretty much gave Tampa all they could handle um, last year again. So I think he's a good, okay coach on that basis. But at some point we have to consider them, you know, Tortorella and so many of these other coaches are just something of the same. They are being rotated throughout the league. Mm -hmm. They're all probably going to get jobs after their current jobs. Mm -hmm. Tortorella is definitely going to get another job after Columbus if it ends. And, you know, maybe it's just time that the league, and we've talked about it before, it just starts to look for other candidates because a lot of these guys like Tortorella just haven't won anything in a long time. And they're pretty much surviving off of being a, known commodity at this point yeah and look Tortorella is a good person uh there are tons of stories of of personal things he's done that have been really great but I just think he'd I think he'd be much more likable if he cut back on attacking the media you know when they lost to Tampa and what was it five games I don't remember but he said guys I'm not here to talk about the moral victories it's like you know what that was a perfect opportunity to applaud your team for what they did. And I feel like if he kind of got rid of that stuff and had more of a positive approach, he'd be one of the better coaches in the league. It's just finding that balance, but more on the Columbus stuff. Uh, Miko Koivu unexpectedly retired. Um, This one just came out of nowhere. He said, this was not an easy decision for me as I have loved every minute of my short time in Columbus. And I really hope to be able to help this team accomplish its goals this season. But the bottom line is I haven't been able to get to the level of play. I need to be true to myself and fair to my teammates. So the time is right for me to retire from hockey. Um, his underlying numbers weren't great. He doesn't really generate much offense. He's, he's a fourth line center who still had some decent defensive numbers. Uh, if the decision is what he says it was, which is just to get away from hockey, then that's a perfectly respectable decision. He's had a fantastic career. Um, but again, this happening at the same time as the line a benching had people thinking that, you know what, maybe there's just a lot of chaos there. Maybe there's a lot of drama. Maybe he just wants out and, and he's done for now. Um, either way, what do you guys think of this kind of, unexpected for you guys yeah and i think like purely based on speculation obviously um i i I can't see it really having anything to do with um the whole like the whole tortorella thing he like he's an older guy everyone's playing in such a weird season right now um and he, he comes in and he hasn't had the start he's wanted i'm sure it's just a number of things saying and and i bet i bet making the decision to go to Columbus probably wasn't an easy one anyways. Um, just from my standpoint, it, you know, you kind of think, Oh, I wish he just retired with Minnesota then, but, and to speak to the Tortorella issue, you'd have to think that the older guys kind of like the veterans only kind of understand. Um, you would assume they understand Tortorella's style a bit more. 
And you'd think Tortorella would kind of return that favor, having some mutual respect there. So I, I couldn't see anything being there. I really think it's just he's come into a new city right. in the middle of a pandemic and hasn't had the start he's wanted. And he's just thinking, you know, this it's not what he wants to be doing right now. So it's, yeah, like I said, I kind of would have liked to see him finish with Minnesota, but. Yeah, it's right. probably unrelated in the end, but, you know, it doesn't distract. It's like the Ottawa Senators a few years ago, there are overlying stories, but then just sort of any other little ripple really seems like it's just yeah. piling on top at that point. And I feel like it's the same way right now with Columbus. Yep. Um, you know, his play had fallen off quite a bit, but, you know, good on him to recognize that he wasn't simply up to his standard and rather than just try and push through it. You know, he really doesn't have anything left to prove at this juncture of his career. I feel like if all players sort of had this honesty of just owning up and retiring after they were past it, I feel like there'd be a, quite a few contracts in the NHL that are considered bad, uh, not currently signed or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, respect for Miku Koivu for recognizing that and stepping away. Yep. Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to some other news. Let's get away from this, uh, the, the drama that is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, that is uh, Ron Hextall is the new GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, Brian Burke as well uh, serving as, I cannot remember. Was it, it wasn't president, was it? It was president. Was it yeah. president? It was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So Rextall as the new GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins and Brian Burke as president. We knew this. I think this was, they weren't going to hire some new GM who wasn't as experienced when you have Crosby and Malkin and Chris Letang and you've won, three cups in the span of five years, however long it was, you're not going to hire in someone else. You want someone with experience. I looked at uh, the history of, um, of Ron Hextall's trades. He's made some pretty good trades, nothing alarming, nothing where he was really fleeced. He seems like a, like a good GM for the most part. Uh, Brian Burke, again, this was kind of surprising. I had, a, I, I mean, I had a feeling he was mostly going to stick with the media, uh, but as a president, I don't know, Burke has made some, as a GM, sorry, he's made some questionable moves in the past. He's been rather uh, aggressive with the media. Nick, you tweeted the video of the Pittsburgh model. Uh, the Pittsburgh model, my ass, so, still cracks me up. But um, as far as Hextall goes, I think this, I think this is the right move. I'd, I'd be hard pressed to, to look at the other candidates and say that they were better options. Pierre Maguire was one that was thrown, thrown around. Uh, Nick, I'll direct this to you. What do you think of, of Rextall? Mostly, we'll touch on Rextall, but Hextall, sorry, uh, <laughs> of Hextall coming in and then and then Burke on the side. What do you make of this? Yeah, you know, uh, all you pretty much have to do uh, to evaluate Ron Hextall if you're in Pittsburgh is pretty much look across the pond and what he's done in Philadelphia. You know, Philadelphia is a really good, solid team right now. And while Chuck Fletcher has been at the helm there for a couple of years, all these players, these young guys that are breaking through were all players that were acquired and drafted under Hextall. So I think the Flyers really aren't today what they are, if not for Ron Hextall. And I think that is really what appealed to Pittsburgh, just seeing how he was able to take, you know, it was a decently aging core there of Voracek, Giroux and the like. And he was able to add this nice young layer of talent, which I think is something that Pittsburgh is going to try and replicate um, pretty quickly. You know, he was fired because there was a little disagreement. It feel, felt like he wanted to be more patient with the Flyers, um, whereas when, as soon as Chuck Fletcher came in, up came Carter Hart and the future was sort of now in Philadelphia. So it's going to yep. be interesting to see how he goes about doing this in Pittsburgh right now, because, you know, there is pressure to win here and now while you still have Crosby and Malkin. Brian Burke for me is the more interesting wild card yeah. in all of this, because how much control is he going to have in terms of player acquisition? Because then you're going to look at 
um, acquiring some more truculent players, sort of what he has always favored. And, uh, you know, we know how that's succeeded in the past really hasn't since Anaheim in 2007. So it, to me, the wild card here is how much control does Brian Burke have and how much patience is Ron Hextall going to have in building this team right now? Yeah, I think uh, like, I don't, I don't have too much to say on Hextall, <clears throat> but, and, and I think most people kind of saw that coming. Like that was sort of uh, leaked a few days prior. Hextall yeah. is going to be named, but I don't think anyone really saw Brian Burke. Yeah, um, that was weird. Being named president of hockey ops. And I, I, yeah, like Nick said, it's going to be interesting to see um, how involved he can get because I, at least I wasn't really expecting him to kind of get back into um, the upper management scene, at least. Uh, like, I don't know how long he's been at Sportsnet now, um, a few years, but uh, that's, that's really surprising. So that's, that's going to be kind of neat to see him back in the game. Um and I mean, I don't know if we want to touch on this, but on the flip side, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of moves happen on um, the company he's leaving at Sportsnet. So it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting transition for sure. You don't yeah. have any insider info for us? No, I don't. It'll be uh, no. I was gonna. It'll be different not having to see Brian Burke at work anymore. So, so is be... it effective? Like, will he have any more I have shows? No idea. It was effective I, uh, immediately? No? Okay. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I work in a few days, so I don't know if I'll, well, I'll see him. If he's I'm, there. Sure, I'm sure the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't going to let him ride out any <laughs> yeah. appearances. <laughs> yeah. um, talking about other teams that are now their opponents, I'm sure he's That's true. You know, off to Pittsburgh pretty immediately. But yeah, uh, Luke, that is an interesting point. What Sportsnet's going to do. Um, I know we sort of briefly discussed it uh, away from the show, but Cassie Campbell-Pascal seems like an obvious one to throw in there. I know uh, Anson Carter was on last night during the Montreal-Toronto I, I thought he was great last night. I he like is Anson good. Carter He's done a good bit. job yeah. in the past for NBC. So, you know, the, just as uh, interesting is the route that Sportsnet's yeah. going to go after Burke. Yeah, exactly. And I, I liked him. I know he's a uh, he always used the words truculent and uh, – big ugly hockey and all that stuff but i like him as an analyst i think he's funny i think he he's a unintentional comedic relief and i think he's a he, he was an entertaining to watch and i actually bought it and clearly well here. liked by some oh, of yeah. his colleagues at sportsnet yeah yeah, they, yeah a lot of sure. a lot of funny jokes when he got hired but anyway uh it's interesting to see what pittsburgh's gonna do because you can still ride out this core but at the same time you have you have to recoup some assets you have to get more picks you have to get better prospects uh you have samuel poulain and that's that's basically it as far as blue chippers go but he has yet to play uh multiple games in the nhl so uh it's really interesting to see i hope they kind of do a mix of both still right out this window but also you, you got to get younger. Well, you kind of have to, like we we've talked about it a million times, but yeah. you don't really have a choice when you have Crosby and Malkin. So exactly. And, yeah. and of those, of those three, who you move, if any, you want to avoid that. And then that ties into the whole rumor that Rutherford allegedly wanted, had a move around the Tang. This is just a rumor that we saw that we talked about, but he was told no, and he didn't want to be a part of a team that he didn't have full control of. But at the same time, you got to be very careful if you if you're moving Chris Letang. You have no one else to help. You have Mike Matheson on that brutal deal. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see, and I'm excited to see what he does. And uh, hopefully, because I love Crosby, hopefully he gets a couple more uh, a couple more cups in him. But yeah, all right. Uh, in other NHL news, more unfortunate news: there have been COVID protocol delays everywhere all over the league every day, every other day, mostly been in the States. We got the first one today 
uh, actually between Edmonton and Montreal. Uh, there was word that it would be pushed till uh, about 8 p.m. Um, Elliot Friedman said that they're delayed pending test results um, as a result of Edmonton Oilers player entering the league's COVID protocol earlier today. The league announced a change to the start time of their game against the Canadians tonight. Um, I've seen a couple reporters say that they think it's it's Pulviarvi. Again, we're not really sure. I guess that means he would have had the morning skate with his team if he was exposed to COVID. Um, but again, I feel like there's not a lot of transparency. There's enough transparency, but not a, not enough to really fully understand what's happening. Yeah, because um, we don't even know if he was exposed to COVID, right? It could just simply mean he was somewhere he wasn't supposed to yeah. be, as we saw with yeah. the Capitals. Yeah. Like, we just don't know anymore. Yeah, and there have been false false negatives, false positives. Um, it's It seemed like a big issue in the States, Minnesota, Colorado, St. Louis. Uh, oh, all so those many. Teams. A uh, lot, yeah. Especially those teams in Canada seem to be doing a, a pretty good job. And we didn't really know what restrictions. We knew that they were allowed to go to the grocery store. We knew that they were allowed to do you know basic things. But it's who's taking it seriously and who isn't. And I'm not going to point fingers at anyone and suggest that anyone isn't. But um, it's getting to a point where you might even have to look like, and, and this might, this is a suggestion, but you might even have to look like just having the American American leagues or at least divisions suspend play for a full week to figure everything out, reevaluate, make sure they have the right protocols in order before going back. And the Canadian team should have stricter regulations, make sure they're doing the best they can. But um, this has people worried about potentially the season ending or, or getting cut or anything like that. Do you guys, will anyone have a full season? What do you guys think of this? Like a, a full 56? Like, 56, 56. I think, um, I think that's kind of the, the thing. I, I don't think it'll ever be fully canceled this season yeah. um, because like you've seen the MLB went through with it. Uh, the NFL went through with it. All these other leagues that had issues at some point. I do think it could get to a point where there's postponements and cancellations and everything where the integrity of this season just starts falling apart and it gets to a point where uh, like I felt I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I felt at certain points in the MLB season, it got to a point where it's just like, okay, we need to just finish this season and just get it done. I hope the NHL doesn't get to that point, but I feel like that's kind of worst case scenario. Again, I, I just can't see them canceling it after, after starting it. I don't think that would be an option, but I think it could get pretty bad. And yeah, like it, you're, you're right, Pat, it's, it's already not looking good. Um, so I just, I think that would be worst case. It just gets so bad that, um, you know, maybe some teams only play 52 or 48 games this season. Who knows? Uh, but I, I think, I don't think the season's in jeopardy. I think a lot of the integrity of the season is for sure. Yeah, we saw worse situations, MLB, NFL, uh, who were allowing fans. And yeah. it's like, yeah. there were so many COVID cases. The NHL's done okay. But again, there were some irregularities or like difficulties with the, with the regulations you had the the covid protocol in the hotel room you can't be in the same room but you can be in the lounge together that didn't make sense but they were the rules and you have to follow them so i'm just curious to see you know if 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 Pulviarvi might have covid if this is actually positive well then everyone else he skated with they're also at risk if they were at the bell center bell center staff could be at risk montreal players could be at risk and i thought the canadian division was doing an excellent job so far but but Again, it's we were we're All waiting takes more is one news. player, right? Exactly. And that's really yeah. it. And it, I think the one thing that is increasingly becoming a concern here, 
um, is that a couple of officials tested positive this week. And therefore that's now giving light to the possibility of on ice transmission of COVID-19 being um, a thing, which really I, I certainly didn't consider before because I thought, you know, things were just happening fast enough on the ice where it wasn't really an issue. But, you know, that shows you why well, I'm not a uh, disease expert. And, you know, it is a thing now. It's something that we do have to be careful with because there really is no way to protect every single person on the ice except for simply not play the games. And we know that's not an option right now. That's what makes it seem like, you know, at least for the teams playing out in the United States, that a full 56 games really just isn't going to be a possibility. And they're going to have to look at something like a points percentage basis or just agree on a hard line to where to cut the season. Cause I think right now, even um, St. Louis and Arizona are playing each other seven times in a row. Like it's, it's a mess right now. I was hopeful that Canada uh, would keep it together. They seemingly are, uh, you know, today's a bit of a scare. We'll see what happens with Edmonton and whatever player is involved in that. But I think Canada is more likely to get that 56 game season. Um, But I think the United States teams are going to have to some point accept the fact that, you know, a bubble is probably the only way to safely play this season. Yeah. Well, yeah. that, that kind of ties into standings because some teams have played so many more games than other teams. You look at New Jersey, they're sitting at nine, nine games played, whereas Philly has played 13. Uh, you look in the discover central division. It sounds so weird saying that, uh, but Chicago's played 14 games and Florida's played 10, uh, Basically, all, all the divisions except for the Canadian the lead division. the lead wide discrepancy is Vancouver sixteen, New exactly. Jersey nine. Like that's yeah crazy. And Pierre LeBrun tweeted a couple times. He said, "Guys, you know, I would suggest you guys start looking at points percentage to use the standings. This makes sense. If I hit points percentage for the Scotia North the North Division, I'm not calling it the Scotia North Division. Uh, Winnipeg, who's fourth, they jump Edmonton. Edmonton goes down to third. If you were doing it by points, because that's just how it makes sense. And it makes sense. If no one has, if people don't have the same amount of games played, uh, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. You go to, let's do it. And that's the, what they did uh, last year when they were seeding for the playoffs. Cause yeah, that's what moved Vancouver from wild card into third was going off points. So it's, it's obviously the smart thing to do. And I think they, they realize that. Exactly. And you do it for, for the, the East division Pittsburgh, which is now fifth, you do points percentage, then our second last in the division. So that's how it should be. Games are scattered. Uh, Colorado hasn't played in at feels like about a week so um yeah and that is really messing with my fantasy team and i oh, don't yeah. appreciate that oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. good thing luke traded away kale mccarr that's he was playing a long game he knew he wouldn't yeah, I, I also have I McCarr. i've got taves and burkowski so i traded them i need i need the abs on the ice should have traded landis gog to luke back when he was begging for him anyway uh in more unfortunate news um bell let's talk that's been a thing. I don't even know how long that's, that campaign has been around. But um, out of the blue, TSN 1040, which is Vancouver, 1150, which is Hamilton, and 1290, which is Winnipeg, just went off air. Uh, there was some automated message saying that it will be discontinued. Um, and then they ended it by playing um, Good Riddance, Good riddance. Good riddance Green Day. by Green Day. And this is really upsetting news. We are, this is what we, we're not on, we're not on official radio, but we love recording and all this stuff. And then seeing this, and it was really bad because we saw workers at all these radio stations say, oh, I just tuned into Twitter. Turns out I don't have a job anymore. There wasn't notice for a lot of these workers. There wasn't a heads up. They didn't know there'd be cuts. Um, Bell, with everything that came forward, Dan O'Toole, Natasha 
Ooh, I'm going to mess up this name. Stanisowski. There we go. Um, Kristen, uh, Christian Jack, a bunch of other people from TSN have been laid off. It's just really unfortunate. This is weeks after the Bell Let's Talk campaign. Uh, Bell took a, the something with the wage subsidies, but they basically, they were given a bunch of pandemic yeah. money and, and I don't know the logistics of it, but this is really unfortunate and this is a really bad look for Bell and they don't care. And now a lot of really talented people are out of work as a result. Um, I think we knew the pandemic would, would lead to job loss. I didn't think it'd be this sudden. I didn't think a billion dollars. Especially for well. a company that has remained profitable throughout yes, the pandemic. Yeah. Exactly. So what do you guys make of the situation? What do you think? Well, obviously it's unfortunate. A lot of really good people lost their jobs. Um, you know, Vancouver and uh, 1040 have been a massive part of that city. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talented people there um, working in, you know, we focused on hockey on the show. So I'll say on the hockey side, there have been some really talented people that have come through there and that have been working there currently. And, uh, you know, beyond that, people outside of hockey, there are some really good people that have lost their jobs in markets like Hamilton and Winnipeg. And it's just really unfortunate to see everything. Um, you know, like I said, Bell has remained profitable throughout the pandemic. They're one of the few industries that has not taken a ginormous hit throughout this thing. And, you know, to see that they still felt the need to lay off so many people in the fashion that they have, I think is the most disgusting part about it. Just, you know, like you said, Pat, people to showing up on Twitter um, in the middle of the afternoon, just finding out they all of a sudden don't have a job anymore and that their station went off the air. I think that's, um, you know, that's a bit of a slap in the face if you yeah. are an employee of TSN. Um, you know, so the whole thing's really hard and it's, it's hard seeing so many talented people uh, without jobs. And we knew the industry was going to be affected in some way, but, you know, you didn't expect it a week after Bell Let's Talk and yeah. all the good publicity that Bell gets from that initiative um, to just all of a sudden sort of sneak in all these um, layoffs. It's, it, it's, a, it's pretty shocking. Yeah, and we'll get into Bell. Let's talk in a second. And Luke, I'll get your thoughts just real quick. I have it here. Bell's shares went up. This is as of February 5th, uh, 2.75% uh, last week. Uh, stock prices were obviously high, but they were uh, not high necessarily because of because of like regular investments. They had $120 million in wage subsidies from the federal government. Uh, their CEO makes $10 million a year. Uh, that's 400 times more than most people on this in this country earn. This is this is this is corporate welfare at its finest. This is really unfortunate. A company that has so much money uh, doing this. And uh, Luke, we'll get your thoughts, and then we'll we'll jump back into the the bell. Let's talk and sort of what that means. Well, yeah, like it just it sucks. Um, I honestly don't have that much to say because what has happened is just so blatant how how bad it is. Um, the way it was handled, uh, the like the effects it's having on um just the sport media landscape in in the country and i feel like i don't know maybe it's just because it's probably because i'm just more tuned into this stuff over the past few years but i feel like mm. this is happening quite a bit um yeah. i i um i'm a canucks fan but i don't listen to tsn 1040 consistently um i will if you know someone specific is going on but that station meant a lot to vancouver um yep no disrespect to Sportsnet um, 650. Mm -hmm. uh, but like TSN 1040 had a lot of just quality people reporting on hockey. And it's, uh, it's just, I don't know, for them to just shut it down just like that is, and I, I want to say short-sighted, but 
I'm not at all in the loop about what's going on there. So it's, it's hard to say. Um, yeah. And then the, the television personalities as well. Like I, I don't watch soccer. Maybe Nick can speak to this more, but uh, Christian Jack, like I, I don't watch soccer and I know how big um, yeah. Christian Jack is for, for soccer in this country. He, That's... One of the people helping grow the game in this country the most, especially on television, yeah. he's been exponential and such a big part of that. So like, I, I just don't get it. Um, and I, I don't expect myself to get it because it's, there's just so much business going on here that, um, yeah. you know, I'm, we're not a part of, but it's, it's just a terrible situation. Yeah. I, yeah. And you look, that's, that's a, there's no way, there's no reason they couldn't have afforded to keep these maybe minor cutbacks, but that's $103 million from the government. That's, that's the government keeping you afloat. Uh, more than a float, actually. And it's really unfortunate. But let's talk about Bell. Let's talk. Uh, and I'm not just saying this, and I don't want this to come across in a rude way, but I'll say it anyway. I thought the campaign was kind of silly. I'm all for all the money going to mental health research. I'm all for people reaching out. I'm all for people sharing their experiences. I'm all for uh, easier access to these resources that are so important. And I'm happy that there's no that there's less of a stigma around mental health because there really shouldn't be a stigma. But every year this has happened, there have been more and more people who work who are working for Bell. And even before the layoffs, speaking out and saying, you know what, I worked for Bell. I was forced to work when I could, when I wasn't able to, when I was sick, when I was pregnant. They don't give you mental health days. They don't give you uh, a fair wage. And a lot of Bell employees speaking out saying, this is this is the the biggest joke I've seen because I work for the company. I know who I work for, and I know how the company actually treats its employees. That being said, the money they raise, it's always a lot. It's very easy to do hashtag. It's very important that money goes towards that. But um, I think I think this, you know, this could be the last year Bell Let's Talk or next year when they put the hashtag out again, you could see people saying, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it because this is a garbage company that have treated its employees poorly, that have laid off a lot of people. And I'm just curious what you guys think of that, how these layoffs tie into the whole Bell Let's Talk campaign. And am I wrong for saying that? Do you guys think? No, I don't think you're wrong. And um, I had somebody raised that with me, actually, just sort of maybe the ethics almost behind um, corporate labeling something like a Let's Talk Day, you know, something that's supposed to be all about raising awareness for mental health, raising money for mental health and slapping, you know, a label like Bell on it. And I actually had never thought of that um, until this year. And I didn't really, you know, think too much of it when it was first brought to my attention, but after seeing it now, it's, you sort of realize, you know, um, talking about mental health and, you know, raising money for mental health should be um, something that we're always doing. We shouldn't just have to do it on one certain day when a company like Bell steps up and says that they're going to start matching donations, you know, um, the stigma around mental health and people's well-being should be conversations and something that we're talking about all the time and not just really focusing and narrowing it down to one day yeah. like that. It doesn't and need allowing to be a, a company yeah. like Bell to just gain all this, you know, good public image out of it. So I, I, I don't disagree with you entirely on that, Pat. No, I, yeah, I, I understand. Like it's just, it's a, it's a tricky thing because obviously those are discussions that need to be happening um in just in the world really um and it's a tough uh idea to talk about that bell is is promoting it in that way because 
I mean, it's a, it's a real sticky situation, but when it comes down to it, Bell is a company. Um, Bell is a, is a company that makes money and they're, uh, I, I mean, you can make the argument that they're branding, um, they're branding a discussion about mental health and it's just not, uh, it's not the way it should happen. Um, yeah. It's yeah. And $7.7 million in 2020, I can't find the 2021 number, but that's a lot of money. That's all. And that's, yeah. it's very easy. And it's, that's the thing is once a year, it's easy for us to grab our phones, tweet a couple hashtags, retweet, whatever, but that's the lowest amount. There's not a penny anymore. So the second lowest amount is five cents that they're going to donate. Um, you don't see their CEO. You don't see their, their, anyone who's higher up in bell talking about it on any other day. It's, it's one yeah. day a year. It's, it's publicity, it's pandemic money. It's, it's nothing. And it's, I, I think, you know, mental health should be every day of the year. People should talk about that when they need to, when they can, and it should be accessible and the money helps, but I'm not going to think for two seconds. And I never thought for a second, even before that, for this, that Bell actually cared about mental health. And I don't think they do. And it's clear they don't um, when they made all these layoffs in such a uh, unprofessional way. So uh, let's move on from that. And obviously our, our thoughts are with everyone who's, who's been affected. Dan O'Toole uh, had a couple good tweets saying, Hey, let's talk, let's talk about it. You know, I'm laid off after this long and Jay Onright had a, had a really nice tribute to, uh, uh, to Dan and for, I'm assuming the three of us, that was our childhood growing up and watching those two on sports center. So anyway, let's, uh, let's touch on our teams before we wrap up the show here. And I'm going to start with Montreal. Cause I'm in a bit of a mood. <laughs> uh, they played Ottawa twice and they played Toronto last night. The, I would say, and Nick, you, I'll get your thoughts first because you're the resident sense fan here. But, um, I thought the first game against Ottawa, Montreal outplayed Ottawa, but Ottawa won. And then in the second game, I thought Ottawa way outplayed Montreal, way outplayed Montreal, and then Montreal yeah. came up with the win. Montreal has a hard time with bad teams. Detroit swept them three times, four times. Swept, sorry, a season sweep last year, four games. Montreal struggles against bad teams. No offense, Nick. And man, I said before the game, I'm worried about playing Ottawa. Of all the teams I'm worried about playing, it's Ottawa. And those were the most exhausting games of hockey I've ever seen. What, what did you think of those two games? You probably loved it for both games. Yeah, well, you know what? We can tie in pretty much all I wanted to talk about with Ottawa into this conversation too, this first little bit. Um, you know, I'm sure you would have been okay playing Ottawa in the state they were when they made that trip down into Vancouver um, with the team they were fielding there. But I think they sort of learned after when they came home that a lot of these veterans can't be in the lineup. They took Paquette out. They put um, they put Eric Branstrom in. That was a massive improvement. They're playing Galchenyuk more. And all of a sudden, you looked at that first game against Montreal. Um, Tim Stutzla took over. And all of a sudden, the Senators were fun to watch. It was kind of unbelievable. And then, especially in that second game, they did lose the second game. But like you said, Pat, they definitely deserved a bit more from that game. Because especially in the third period, they really, really started to take it to Montreal. The Suns just dropped two against the Oilers, but again, really took it to the Edmonton Oilers in a they couple of those well. games yeah. and held McDavid and Dreisaitl yeah. to a combined two points in that entire little series. So, um, you know, Ottawa's taking steps in the right direction, but like you said, Pat, you're probably still expecting if you're Montreal and at this point, seeing how well Toronto is playing, you need to take both of those games if you're the Montreal, no matter what changes the Senators are making to the lineup. Yeah. And uh, let's, let's talk about something that for, for some reason is uh, it's very difficult to talk about on, on Habs Twitter and in Habs land. And that is Carrie Price, Jake Allen, and the 
quote unquote goaltender controversy in Montreal. I don't think there's a goaltender controversy. I don't know what's so controversial about playing the goalie who has better stats than another goalie. I don't think it should be a hot take. I don't think it's anti Carey Price to suggest that. I don't think it's anything personal with Carey Price, but for whatever reason, people get really upset on Twitter when you uh, when you make that claim. I don't think Carey Price is why Montreal is losing. I don't think Carey Price is why they struggled against Toronto or why they struggled against in both or one of the games against Ottawa. However, he hasn't been very good. The stats reflect it. This map reflects it. Jake Allen is up there in Markstrom Vasilevsky uh, territory. Price is near Koskinen, sort of near uh, Matt Murray territory, or if that's Hoberg, whatever. It's not. It's, he's not playing well. And after last night, Toronto played. Also, I don't know if you guys watched last night's game. I thought both teams were very meh. I thought it was a very wasn't a great game. Eh, game given how the first one went. Do you guys think there's a goaltender controversy in Montreal? Should there be? Are you guys leaning towards continuing to play price to let him figure it out? Or, you know what, maybe play Jake Allen a little bit. It's tough. Um, And like most things, most hypotheticals this year, it's a short season. So it's, it's hard to say, but having a goaltending controversy when one of your goalies, and I know, I know a name is just a name, but when one of your goalies is Carey Price and you're having a goaltending controversy, is it the worst thing in the world? Maybe not, uh, but I think it's, like you said, it's pretty straightforward. Play your better goalie, especially in a shortened season. There isn't really time to give Carey Price uh, a few games to figure it out, and he's going to get games anyways because of how condensed the schedule is. So um, you should be you should be treating um, Carey Price like your, your backup right now, which isn't the worst thing in the world, and if he starts playing better, then that's not a bad thing. So it's... I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think it's a, a pretty straightforward answer. Yeah. I think for the first time, it's really some sort of a quote unquote controversy because, you know, where in the past Carey price, you know, could play sort of poorly. And he has definitely at times over the past few years play poorly, but really still be the best option and therefore not have anybody really breathing down his neck. But now he's got Jake Allen, a comfortable um, NHL goaltender who has thrived in tandems throughout his career and is thriving in this tandem right now without the pressure of being the starter. And that's sort of creating the controversy because finally Carey Price has solid competition in the wings behind him vying for more uh, playing time. And I think that's what's creating the controversy here. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm not, again, it just because Twitter was how Twitter is last night, Price is 4-2-2, two and two, um, and Allen is 4-1-0. Allen has a 940 save percentage of 1.8 goals against average. Price has a uh, 2.8 goals against average and 896 save percentage. It, this, it, it shouldn't be controversial to play the more effective player when the margin is this big. Again, I'm not looking at these three games and blaming it on Price, but the fact that Montreal is finally playing well, Price shouldn't have to stand on his head but it's just these goals here and there. And Nick, I love the Stutzer goal was nice, but I really thought he should have had that. Uh, I thought that was a a stoppable puck. And it's just even the Trevor Moore goal, you know, Trevor Moore, you're sniping that from outside of the outside of the circle. Also, Philip Deneau can get his stick there. So anyway, I just think I'll ask you, I'll pose the question. Trevor Moore plays for LA. Not Trevor Moore. I don't know why I get them mixed up. Travis Dermott. Sorry. Dermott. There I get, I get the two mixed up. I don't know why. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so that's, I'm going to ask you guys this, and then we can move on. Um, 
Montreal plays tonight against Edmonton, hopefully at 8 p.m. And then they play Saturday against Toronto again. Do you split starts? Allen's playing tonight no matter what. Do you do Allen tonight? And if he plays really well, do you play him again on Saturday or do you do Price Saturday no matter what? I think Allen, if Allen plays well tonight, play him on Saturday. I, I don't know what their schedule is after that. I don't know how busy they are, but yeah. It's a short Allen. season. You got to ride the hot hand. I would go, if Allen plays well tonight, you got to keep going Allen just because it's the hot hand. Ottawa's been doing it with Matt Murray now. He's gotten hot the last few games and you just continue to play the guy. Get Use up the good play because it's a short season and Montreal needs wins right now to stay in the race with Toronto. Yeah, uh, interesting time in Montreal. I hope Price, and this is look, this is just the way Price is. Price has, he starts slow and then he gets better. I'm, I don't think this is the goaltender career Price is. We saw it with, uh, we saw it with Pittsburgh last year and with, with, uh, uh, against Philly. So that's it for kind of my team, my frustration. I, I hope he figures it out. I hope he can get playing better. And again, I'm not putting this on him, but again, he's not above criticism and no player is, no player should be. So anyway, Luke. Uh, your Canucks, they've struggled. They went 0-3 against Toronto. Um, I'm not making fun of you. I'm not making fun of the Canucks. Yeah, you are. But it's, it's, it's kind of, yeah, you are. Kind of am. It's, it hasn't been good. And Benning no. out has been has been trending a little bit. Um, our good friend Lucas is, is not having a good time. Uh, and you're not having a good time, but I just don't think you're as vocal about I it. I have not. I've just kind of – I've stopped really caring. Um, you, you've come to the – You've come to Pretty early in yeah. the season, I think, to do that. But that's where we are. And – you got the vibe from the team that they're not caring either. Uh, I put so much emphasis on it last year, how well they were gelling. And I keep talking about that, but I'm just going to recite a few quotes here from people involved on the team from captain Bo Horvat. I don't think we should be rebuilding at all. And I don't think we are rebuilding. I definitely don't want to go through that again. Um, Our season is still not over by any means. There's still lots of hockey to be played. So it's in his mind for sure. Travis Green. Uh, Green was asked if he misses guys like Markstrom, Tanev, Toffoli, Stetcher. I'm not going to talk about guys that aren't here right now. And a big one from Quinn Hughes. He said this kind of in passing. We have a lot of new pieces. We lost a lot of players from last year. Elias Pedersen said something similar, and I can't find the exact quote, but they're definitely thinking about it. Um, the offseason did not go well. I'm also a f- fully on the fire bending train it just it it's i it hasn't helped that hughes or Pedersen have not been playing their best hockey either and that really hasn't done much to help cover up i was the one in this chat or sorry in this um show that predicted from the season's onset that i thought the canucks were going to be in ottawa senators territory yeah and they and i thought my, they were going to be in toronto maple Leafs territory so. yeah I'm they, they technically me. aren't in ottawa senators territory because that's that's a whole other level <laughs> yeah. but um you know the canucks aren't being even propped up by the play of hughes and Pedersen. they've both taken no. a considerable step back from where they were last season which you know not a lot of people predicted and i think now the lack of depth that they have is really being exposed in this. And yeah, I can see why fans and players aren't happy. And that's the thing with Pedersen is Pedersen's been scoring goals. He, when he gets the puck, he's still dangerous, but he's not that level that we saw like last year, he would try the stuff. Whole he team would be is just, and it, and it, the whole team, off. although well, like, Hughes, especially Hughes, who Nick and I spoke at end about how he was better defensively than Kale McCarr. And he was better all around than Kale McCarr flip the switch that guy is not defending in the slightest and it's just 
I find the Canucks entertaining. I wouldn't say this. Uh, I'll say this just once or however many times I've said it, but I, I try not to say it, but I do find the Canucks entertaining when they're at their best, when you get to see Patterson, Miller, Hughes, Besser. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. their power play is fun to watch still. Yeah. Thank goodness. But yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, unless there's anything on, on sense, Nick, anything you want to talk no, about? No, we pretty sense? much covered it with the Montreal stuff. All right. Well, that just about does it for our episode here of uh, Take to Take. Lots of stuff, lots of news. More hockey tonight. Montreal, Edmonton, Montreal, Toronto. Uh, Luke, do the Canucks play tonight? Calgary, 10 p.m. And Ottawa, they play? Yeah, Winnipeg, 8 p.m. Perfect. Lots of hockey, and uh, hopefully it continues. And again, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Take care.